Hey there, Zlatko here. Welcome to What Is My Brain podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I get the opportunity to chat with fellow founders and business operators about their journey and how they got to where they are now, where they are going and how they're going to get there. I'm planning on bringing guests and touching on topics such as running multiple businesses, executing ideas, and just spitballing about random topics and current events. It's a casual conversation, and that will hopefully bring value to anyone that decides to listen. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in. Awesome. Uh, my man, Brian, here hey. in the in the flesh. <laughs> What's up? How's Thank- it going? I'm doing great, man. Thanks so much for for jumping on the call or on the podcast. I, I really, really appreciate it, man. Um, so I want to just uh, kind of let you uh, introduce yourself, uh, what you do, where you, what you're working on, things you're working on in the future, anything else you want to mention, and then we can just kind of go from there, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, first off, thanks for having me. Really excited to, to do this. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so my name is Brian. I'm the co-founder of Flow Candy. Um, we're an e-commerce retention marketing agency. Uh, I consider myself mostly like a designer, um, really by trade, uh, but then kind of got into the e-com game, you know, a couple years ago and have just been kind of building agency since then. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty much the basics of, of who I am. So <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. Um, I curious, how did you, when did you first start, you know, doing design work and, I guess my other question would be, how did you get into like starting an agency? And now I know you, you, you and I previously talked and I think you're also productizing a lot of that stuff on the agency side as well, in terms of how you guys are leveraging that to clients and all that. So I'd love to know what intrigued you about design, what kind of design you did. Was it straight like web right away or did you, you know, were you just like an artist and you're like, oh man, I want to do some web stuff. Like, how did you get into that side of things? Right. That's actually, uh, that's a great place to start actually. Um, cause it was, it was a weird, it was a weird, uh, kind of journey to get to that point. Um, I actually have a background in music. I started as a, I have a degree in trombone performance of all things. Oh uh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Talk about yeah. left field. <laughs> it was a, it was a very, you know, I was, I was the kid in band all through high school in all of the bands, honestly, like one before school, one after school, going on all the trips and that kind of thing. Um, and even the one like taking private lessons after school and that kind of, you know, so I ended up pursuing that into college. I got my bachelor's degree in, in trauma performance. Um, and I got into a pretty good school for my master's as well. Uh, I was going to go be like a teaching assistant, you know, get that grad money to, to teach and go there. Uh, but it was really quickly that I realized this is not for me. Uh, you know, going to a, a much better school, you see there's a hundred other kids that are just as good as you are at music. Um, and you, you just kind of realize you have to love it. You have to really, really like that right. stuff to want to, you know, maybe make 60K at the end of the road. You know, you're like, a, you're a professor so somewhere crazy. and you've put 20 years into it and you're you're making 60K. And I was like, I don't, I don't think I can do this anymore. Um, I don't like it enough. I don't want to, you know, I really don't want to be here that much. Um and so, yeah, I just, I, I actually took a job teaching English, um, abroad. I was just like, okay, I'm going to change everything. So it's, so it's like really change. Um, and I moved to, to Japan. So I was living in Japan and, uh, just while I was doing that, I on online, uh, you know, I making such a big, big life change. I had some friends from music school and one of them, um, she happened to be starting like a content marketing agency. Um, okay. 
and so I had just taken my, I actually started my teaching job in Japan the exact same day I started this like, you know, kind of part-time online job doing like content marketing. It was a one, you know, she really didn't have much other than her own personal brand managing at that point, but she was kind of trying to uh, stop doing that stuff, find someone to help her out so that she could, you know, look for new clients. Um, and so I just kind of had to do everything there. And that was where, you know, I got a lot of the design chops cause we're doing social media stuff, uh, doing some editing for like copy and things like that for blog posts and whatnot. Um, and yeah, through all of that, I just kind of realized that design is design is pretty sweet. <laughs> um, yeah. I realized I, I had a little bit of a knack for it. I could, uh, I could figure out the software, you know, Photoshop and then eventually sketch. Um, but then a really big thing happened. So I was living in Japan and, she actually, my, uh, my boss at the time, she was living in Vietnam. Um, and on one of my school breaks, I went to visit her. And while I was there, there's, there's a huge network of people that do like digital marketing, um, you know, e-com stuff, a lot of like, this was back in, I think 2016, 2015, 2016. So a lot of people were still doing like FBA stuff as well when that was like really pro- mm-hmm. profit- profitable. Um, mm-hmm. and so there was just this big community there and I kind of got plugged in immediately just cause my, my boss was already there and had been doing quite a bit of stuff with all of them. Um, and I met a guy, uh, who is a UI UX designer still is, his name is John. Um, who he really got me started in, in design and he, you know, he told me, he was like, if you want to learn more about design, um, come to Saigon after, after you're done in Japan. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And I, I said to him, I was like, you just said that to the wrong person if you weren't serious. Cause like, uh, I'll, I'll see you in six weeks, buddy, when I'm done with my contract in Japan. Um, and that. yeah, and I, I just, I took it really seriously. Honestly, I, I went back to Japan and every single day I kind of did, I did one of those like a hundred days of UI challenges where I just, you know, I was grinding. I just really tried to design something new all the time and mix it with stuff that I already liked. Um, and, and just really get a feel for it. So I, I really dove pretty far into like UI UX um, and I've always, I, I, even more so I really enjoyed like the UX side and kind of thinking about that. The UI is fun and, you know, pushing pixels is, is cool, but, um, really starting to think about like people, uh, how they're interacting with products, um, how, how it's actually happening. And so that, that was a lot of my background before the agency stuff and before e-com, um, I was working on software teams, doing the UI, thinking about customer flows, um, and so, yeah, I, let I mean, me ask you, how, how's that ahead, changed yeah. since you since you since you started? Because, I mean, nowadays, I mean, uh, everything from uh, ads uh, to, you know, even like simplified websites at this point, like when you see some of these big brands and it's like three buttons, a block of text on a white background, like super simple um, before it was all, you know, more colors, more just like, you know, hitting you from every angle. Like how has design uh, in your opinion, kind of changed from a perspective of like where you started and where it is now. And like, have you, have you been, st- are you still designing at this point? Or are you just more in like the background doing a lot of the content stuff? Yeah. So, um, I do, I do kind of like, I, I would say like more like creative director work um, right. for flow candy. Um, so I, I'm not doing a lot of the actual, any really of the actual designing designing, but, um, I'm right. giving my input on quite a bit of stuff. Um, as far as how design has changed, uh, I think I got really lucky. Uh, my my mentor started me in that uh, in a place that really was kind of ahead of its time. Um, he immediately got me out of those like early design kind of uh, you know traps that you fall into, where you're just like overloading it with stuff um, and yeah. you're not thinking about spacing and thinking about like visual rhythm. Um, 
And so, you know, things have changed, but I don't think the principles of good design have changed. It's just that, you know, the web takes a little while to catch up to different things. Um, Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I almost feel like right now we're moving in a little bit of an opposite direction in some ways. Um, There are some brands, especially in like the web three space and stuff like that, that are just going, you know, it's, it's all about personality. It's all about community. So it makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, you're trying to create this like visual identity that is, is unique and has some sort of, you know, pull to people that, you know, identify with that. Um, But I think, you know, as to, to your point, I think, over the time we, we saw it go a little bit from, you know, confusing kind of web one stuff, web two becomes a little bit more minimalistic. And now web three is becoming this like cacophony of cacophony of just like weird, crazy stuff that is very cool yeah. and has some like very unique, uh, unique styles as far as like art goes, but I wouldn't necessarily like peg it as good design. Uh, I'd say I it's like good aesthetic. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's anima- I feel like animation's back more than anything in Web3. Like everything's like flying over the screen. Things are parallel. It's wild. Uh, or like scrolling. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm on like my, my MySpace page where I've, you know, I have like a unique cursor and like it, like the it glitters down over, you know, your top eight or whatever. Um, I, I was on, so I was on true. some, it really is. It's, I, I don't understand how we got back here. I was on a, some site the other day, just looking at, you know, one of the web three project and my cursor was just like a, a character, like flipping around and around as I like moved it. I was like, this is so wild. It feels like we're going full <laughs> circle here. Um, so yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I, we try to stick, uh, we're, we're really lucky. We work some, with some really great brands, at flow candy. And so it's nice that, and they have really like elevated aesthetic, um, and I feel like we really unify on a lot of that stuff. We have, we have some flashy clients that we do flashy right. stuff for, and it, it turns out really great. Um, but we also have some very like design principle driven clients, which right. I, I really love working on that kind of stuff just because not only is it beautiful, not only does it feel good, but you can see results in it as well. You know, you end up really like being able to see like, wow, this is, this, this works. You know, there's a reason mm-hmm. that simple one CTA, but making it like really pretty and reflecting kind of that, how does this design make me feel idea right. behind design? Um, it works and it, and it, and it produces conversions and, you know, that's the goal in marketing. So, um, absolutely. And, and yeah. that's, that's actually a really good point. Cause I think, um, and I mentioned to you this before, uh, we're at taco, we're working on a, uh, on a brand, it's an incense brand. Um, mm-hmm, we're doing mm-hmm. subscription only. And, uh, I would actually mention to you once we're done with our, our email, I'd love for you to just, you know, check it out and, and see yeah. what you think, but absolutely. I'm kind of, um, so I have like two points on it. Like when I get, when I get a really, really nicely designed email from an e-commerce brand and it's like, it's just fluid. It's simple at the same time and all this other stuff. I'm like, Oh wow, I can appreciate that. Like, I love this. And Mm -hmm. then, um, have you ever shopped on sticker mule by any chance? I have actually, I have some sticker mule stickers right here (laughs) with our little logo. Okay. (laughs) Okay. That's sick because honestly, to me, their emails are everything. They're plain text. They just have hyperlinks in there. Like so dumbed down, like there's no effort in those emails except like to the point here's what we're offering you and click on the hyperlink. There's not even any CTAs on the thing, which is amazing to me. So, and I, I catch myself going through those emails more than I go through the wall design ones from like an e-commerce brand. Cause I I figure, I don't know what it is. It's some sort of mental tick that I'm like, Oh, 
well, this seems like somebody personally just emailed me and sent me a link. Let me click on this. Right. It's like, yeah. I guess the feeling you get from the brand and how you differentiate that going forward. It's like, do you want to be this oversimplified, just like send somebody a plain text? Because I'm honestly becoming more and more a fan of that. Like every product that we're looking to build, I'm like, guys, the emails, let's focus on it, but let's not like overwhelm it because I, I'm okay with just going simple and people almost being like, wait, is this an email or did I just like get a person? Like, I'm okay with that little like mind fuck in that sense. No, definitely. I mean, that's something that we, I mean, hyperlinks and just like text links are such a pro tip when it comes to email. Um, being able to have just a little bit of, even even if you still have a CTA, uh, but you link the paragraph copy or whatever copy you have kind of in that block, um, you know, it definitely increases click-throughs. It's it's a really nice, uh, just a little, little extra, you know, and it, and it draws attention to whatever the action is as well because, you know, underlined, bold that, and then it, and people right. see it. People, people pay attention. Um, but you know, it's, we talk about this a lot because there is definitely for specific types of brands, there's going to be a huge bump in, you know, being able to use that really personal kind of like letter style email, Mm -hmm. um, for, for certain types, especially, uh, but it, it really ends up being a conversation that we have with, with store owners of, you know, where's because, because I, I guess when you look at email, you have multiple, multiple pillars of kind of what you're trying to build there, right? You have like, you want to drive conversions. um, You want to like make more money. You want people to like be engaging with the brand and like learn about the brand and stuff like that. Um, But then you have this other aspect of it, which is obviously something as like the creative director, I have to think about a lot is that there's an inherent like aesthetic value of somebody's brand. Um, And that only gets deeper, the more, the closer an owner is to their brand um, you know, I know a lot right. of people that almost their, their store is an extension of who they are. You know, I'm sure you feel that way with yeah. Taco. I feel that way with Flow Candy sometimes where it's like, okay, the branding has to reflect how I feel about my brand because it's, it's you know, that, that's what it is. It's your brand. Um, exactly. And, if, and, and so I find that the more nuanced design stuff that we end up talking about ends up being this like in the ether kind of like aesthetic that you're that you're shooting for and trying to maintain um and and sometimes the letter style stuff just doesn't fit what the aesthetic is you know and so right, that's right, you right. know it's like we're trying to kind of circle around that and we've we've tried to like push people that direction sometimes but now i just kind of you know i make those suggestions and then somebody's like ah, i don't really feel like that fits the brand i'm like that's that's totally normal that's fine you know like but it, right, it does right, work right. the stuff works for sure yeah and I'm i'm curious like over the now with all the you know uh, changes to Facebook and people using email more. And, mm-hmm. you know, I go back to the, to, to the place of like Amazon, not even allowing you to like see customer information and they're dealing with all right. the like back and forth and you don't know what's going out there. And um, I'm just curious to know, like through email over the past, I don't know, let's call it a year or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'd say even like pandemic times, cause I think people really ramped that up. Um, what has been sort of one thing that's like surprised you that's really, really worked on the email front that maybe doesn't even work with SMS as well as it does with email? Is it, you know, it could be literally anything. I mean, I know I've seen people saying like, dude, we threw in a GIF into our email and we got like 10% more people to like open it and click through and all these other things. Like, I'm just curious of what trends you're, you're seeing on your end that may or may not help, um, you know, up and coming brands. And like I said, even for our, for my own sake, like we, we deal with a lot of clients from top to bottom branding. We do everything for them, but we're not the email marketing agency. We don't focus on that. So I'd love to know what you've caught on your end that you're like, dude, I had no idea this was going to be like, you know, a, a really big hit with emails or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, something that we recently 
implemented for a brand uh, was we, you know, they had, they had a loyalty program, which loyalty programs are pretty popular at this point. You know, there's like loyalty right. lion and, you know, uh, pretty sure Yapo does that stuff as well and everything. Yeah. Smile and all that. Smile. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but you know, so they, they do it like a tiered system. So you have like your, your low, once you spend X amount of money, you make it to this tier. And then if you spend another, you make it to next tier. And for every right. dollar you spend, you get a point or a point and a half, two points. Um, this is a pretty big cosmetics brand. I think they were doing a couple million a month or so. Um, and we built some automations around their loyalty program stuff. And so it's really simple. It's like, you know, the welcome, you know, it's like you just yeah. got into the loyalty program or you just signed up for the loyalty program and you put some offers or like incentives around that. So it's like, Hey, welcome to the loyalty program. Get to your next tier faster. Like here's 10% off. Um, you know, okay. this, this brand also was like very, very okay to discount and things like that. They had a lot of, mar- I mean, cosmetics and things like that. You have tons of margin in there to be able to do so. Right, right, right. Um, and so, you know, we can easily give them a, a 10 to 15% discount. This is, this is a brand that the person, they have a huge repeat customer rate. So right. they're all, you know, these, these customers are already kind of in the process of like, oh, I'm going to need this thing anyway. I'm, I'm, you know, reordering this stuff. I'm, you know, kind of typical replenishment, you know, flow stuff that you right. would expect. And so we really played on that and like almost gamified this like process of going through the loyalty program because then we were just able to install flows from like top to bottom of like welcome and then like next level achieved. So it's like, once you got to the next level, we sent you another, you know, kind of flow of like, welcome to this level. Here's another incentive there. Um, and then a reward earned flow. So like every time you get a new coupon, like pushing them and like almost running it like a sale. So it's like you do, Hey, like, don't forget, Hey, you know, use your coupon type thing. Um, and last time I looked, that's their top performing flow now over, even over their welcome series and their abandoned, uh, abandoned checkout. Um, that's just like, um, let me ask you real quick. Let me ask you quick. Do you think that, uh, that attributes to the brand or do you think mm. that attributes to the, uh, I'm just wondering, because I mean, like you said, makeup, people need it uh, ongoing. Right. They're going to try to get all the yeah. discounts that they can because they know they have to buy it again. So I'm almost curious, like, like, do you think a lot of that attribution, I mean, I'm sure the emails and everything is great, but like, I feel like the brand and what they're selling and what they're doing also has probably a pretty big piece to that loyalty. Oh, I mean, I, it 100% is something that's going to be for consumables. You know, if you, if you right, have a product right. that you have, a uh, you know, it, what, the way that we really look at like retention and like retention marketing in general is that, you know, there's, a, there's a few different pillars in there. Like you have where you capture your, your mm-hmm. new subscribers, so you're getting somebody just onto your list. Um, and then we right. have the convert stage where we're just getting them to make their first purchase. Um, and then you have the retain. So we're trying to get somebody to make their second purchase. And then we actually have a fourth thing that we talk about called like Ascension or the Ascend phase. Um, and Ascension is is super powerful. And that's kind of the strategy we're talking about right now. It's like, it's an Ascension strategy. We're trying to get somebody into this like top tier of like, I'm a VIP subscriber. I buy from them only. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what I get. Um, but Ascension doesn't work for everyone. It's not, you know, it's right. if you have a like really high ticket um, product that people typically, you know, you're only going to buy one of or maybe two in your entire lifetime, um, Ascension doesn't work. So you focus way more on like the convert side, way more on like the capture side. Um, and there are definitely some strategies that we've been, we've been looking at of, you know, over the past couple past year or two that have like really changed that like convert side, but like the, it, it's nuts to see, like when you have the right product fit for like the Ascension stuff and like retention, getting people into not just saying like, 
oh, I, you know, I, I need this. I'm, I'm going to rebuy this product. But like, I identify with like, this is my makeup brand or like, this is the only brand that I use for X product. Um, right. and that's really, that's the power, you know, I mean, everything's about community now. It's all, you know, if yeah. it's, that, that's, you know, we were talking about web three. That's a huge aspect of that as well. You know, you, you buy into products that say something about who you are. It's like, I own this because I am this. Um, right. And you know, that's the whole, that's the whole section around like, the conversational commerce and kind of building that like community around a brand and just being like, this is, this is who I am. What, what I use says something about me, which has always been a thing, but now we have an easy, even easier way to kind of, uh, capitalize on that because as marketers, we can just like look at, all right, well, how do I speak that language? How do I give somebody those, that information? And then like have them say, Oh, this is, this is, this is right for me. This is the product I want because they just said what I was thinking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm always uh, I'm always looking at it from a couple of different perspectives, especially on our end. I mean, we have clients that are, uh, I mean, email is their absolute focus for on mm-hmm. so many different levels. Um, mm-hmm. but then we have people who just, you know, uh, they they had that organic growth. Uh, they got good word of mouth, and they're growing exponentially because they're you know one of the very few players that people have trusted. Like we have a company that um, does like subscription alcohol. And they, you know, you can subscribe to a box and you can just kind of get, uh, you know, whether it's a whiskey, whether it's a vodka, whether whatever it is. And there's not too many people doing it the way that they're doing it. And they just get a lot of organic, you know, traffic because it's it's just the nature of it. They've been around for a while. And I mean, I don't think their emails are even anything amazing, but I guess it works. And I'm just always I look at it from perspectives like damn, I would love to have that, you know, the email marketing person to come in and just like, hey, let me ramp this up for you. Let me show you. Let me like just almost like clean up this whole email chain and then yeah. let's start from the beginning and I'll show you how much better this is going to work. Because a lot of people we notice that they don't even really focus. And, I, and I'm so glad you brought up loyalty earlier because we see a lot of people that don't really they don't double down on that in a way that I essentially uh, would imagine it to. And that's one thing on our brand that we're trying to focus more is like having that cohesiveness and that retention, but as well as like, not just like, Hey, you get a bunch of points and now you can spend these points. It's like, no, you get these points and let's like show you, it's almost like what Grammarly does. Grammarly sends me this fucking email every Monday that I get so excited about. Cause like you're a wordsmith. You just wrote, you know, 300,000 words this. And I'm just like, dude, these are the best emails. Like I don't even have to click anything. I just read through the thing and I'm p- completely okay. Um, and I'm sure I, I even, I tweeted them not too long ago. And I was like, what is your open rate for these emails? Cause I'm sure it's like hundred percent. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's just, mm-hmm. they're amazing emails. So I'm like the loyalty to me, the loyalty that they, they don't even have to have the loyalty program. The fact that they send me that. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm at this tier. They tell me you're 1%, you're this, you're that. And I'm just like, dude, this is sick. Like this is keeping me in the wheelhouse for sure. Cause I like knowing stats. I don't care to keep stats, but when somebody sends me stats, I'm like, oh, this is actually kind of sick. So I can see why, like when you're going through the loyalty program, it's like, oh, you, you have this much more and then you're going to get up here and you get, I mean, I just went to a vitamin or supplement store the other day. Have you heard of Symbiotica by any chance? Like the supplement thing? The no, I haven't. Brand? Dude, there's, they're, they're, whoever did their website. I mean, it's just like, once you go to the next upsell, they're just like, well, $10 more and you get this. And then it's like, mm-hmm. when you go to the next mm-hmm. one, you're like, all right, $5 more. And then you get this. And here, here I am like spending $130 on a subscription of supplements because it's like, for whatever the fucking reason they told me to get it. 
yeah, exactly. It's just, it's that, that tiering of, you know, as, as once you get a little bit closer, it's like, all right, well, it's not that big of a push to get there at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It used yeah. to be that free shipping bar that everyone puts like five more dollars. Mm-hmm. And now it's just mm-hmm. like, no, you get like a whole product, you get this. So and it's always really, really interesting to see what kind of tactics. Um, are you guys also focusing very heavily? Uh, I know you work with obviously like Clavio and stuff. Do you guys uh, focus really heavily on SMS too? Uh, it's something that we're moving more into lately. Um, okay. it's, yeah, it's, it's something that we've been, we can set up. It's, it's one, it's, it's inherently very similar to email, obviously in terms of, you know, acquisition and, and kind of the similar yeah. strategies that you use, you use around the like touch points and whatnot. Um, but honestly, it's something that we have been wanting to find the time to like dive into deeper. Um, you know, right, you touched right, on the right. kind of like productization stuff earlier. And I think that's been a ton of, uh, you know, we're the agency's only about eighteen months old, little, little older. We will we'll only be two in the summer. Um, Your baby, dude. Your fucking baby. We're a baby. We really are. Um, and it feels that way sometimes. You know, it's the the, the growing pains, the the, the yeah. teen angst of of your agency, and kind of like experiencing yeah. that that push through is um, it's How tough. And it takes a lot of your focus. Uh, we we have about twenty. Um, on oh, our team. nice. Yeah, Hell yeah, yeah, dude. That's that's some great growth right there. I love it. I love it. It was I mean, we we definitely had some, you know, little hit the luck stream a little bit in certain things, but I, you know, that's part of all businesses. If you're going to make it, you got to find kind of where to create your luck. Um right. my co-founder, he's like a previous agency owner and we kind of rolled his old agency into the new one. Um and mm-hmm. so that kind of that gave us a little boost of access to people to work with as well as access to old clients and legacy. I think we even have a couple clients that are still with us from his previous agency and you know we like rolled them over and we're like hey this is the new agency now um and so yeah we we definitely had a little bit of some advantages there um but i think you know you you touched on the productization part and that being our our focus we're just trying to honestly fix not okay i don't want to say fix because it sounds like you know we're we're uh, we're like innovative something crazy or whatever but just just being more honest and being more attentive to the customer experience on the agency side um Mm -hmm. i think that's attributed to a lot of our growth you know we just having real conversations rather than just kind of being like the gunslinger cowboys that are trying to just like turn this next client into, you know, and like yeah. just, just being realistic, I guess. Like how do you build an agency as a, as a scalable and like long-term business? Um, and, and the answer to us has been customer experience, I think. Yeah. Um, just like really making sure from, you know, from we've been, we are constantly making changes to our onboarding process, um, yeah. constantly making changes to like how we kick off clients, um, how we actually like align on expectations, what is the first, you know, 50, what is the first day of purchasing look like? What, what happens when you, when you actually like swipe your credit card? Cause that's, you know, that's going to be when so much anxiety happens. How do we, how do we kind of like counteract that anxiety? And like, we literally used to call mm-hmm. it like the agency anxiety period. It's like the first two weeks to 35 days or so of like, are they going to screw me? Like, it's just like right, the, right, there's, right, there's right, endless right, question right. because so many people have been screwed by an agency at some point that they come in Dude, with this just crazy. like defensive wall, you know? And I'm like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to do work, but instead of doing work, we're like scaling this, this defensiveness the entire time. Um, and so, you know, you're a part-time part of therapist is, as well. You're a part-time therapist. I was, I was just about to say that. I was like, it's like a hundred percent, like you're, you're doing therapy yeah. work with your clients sometimes where you're just like, look, I'm not here to fuck you over. I'm just, I just want to 
do good work for you, but you are getting in the way of that right now. Right, um, right. And, you know, as, and that is, we've, we've found a lot of ways to disarm it from the beginning before you even have to get to that, get to that problem. Um, and I think a ton of that is your onboarding. It's like your, yeah. your, even your pre onboarding. So what does your kind of like discovery process look like? And are you, mm-hmm. you know, how attentive are you in that process? And are you able to like, align on what you was said in the sales call to actually what's happening in the kickoff call slash the product, the project going forward. Um, and so, you know, we were really productized at the beginning. Um, yeah, we were even selling like individual flows at one point. Um, and, you know, completely transparently, we were a lot more down market at that point, you know, we right. kind of, uh, we were focusing more on like startup stores. Um, and so, you know, we would sell a, a welcome series on its own. We would sell, you know, like you could buy four campaigns or something like that and just buy it as, right. a, as a little package. Um, and th- that was unique. It was very unique in, in terms of like what you can find in the market, but it, it, for creative work, it just doesn't, at least the way that we've tried to figure it out. It just, we couldn't figure out a way to make it work in terms of being right for everyone. Cause you have, you have right. to not, you don't have to cut corners, but you have to, something's got to give on one side or the mm-hmm. other. Um, mm-hmm. Either we're not going to make any money off of it or the product that they're going to get is just going to be, you know, not great. It's going to be, it's going to be more boilerplate. More cookie cutter. Exactly. Yeah, you, yeah, gotta, yeah. you have to run with the cookie cutter. It has to be templates. It has to be just like a little bit of graphic, you know, stuff dropped in a little bit of, you know, copy, light copy changes here mm-hmm. and there. Um, but, you know, anytime you sell somebody creative work, you can't really, it's, it's very hard to differentiate of like, Oh, this is like light creative, and this is real creative, right. and this is like elevated creative. Um, right, right, right. Like enterprise <laughs> creative. Like I'm going right. to give you like a whole team behind you type of thing. Exactly. Which, which we tried to do. We tried to do that too. Uh, we had like a standard oh. and an elevated package for a little while as well. Um, and I know there are other pretty like successful agencies out there that do do that. Um, you know, it's kind of based on like, all right, this is is you can have kind of like this designer, or you can have like a better designer. Um, which I mean, that's, that's cool, but it, it just, it, we, we found a hard, we found it really difficult to communicate what the difference is. Um, yeah. and that kills sales that kills sales like so fast. Um, as soon Absolutely. as you can't describe what's going on in your offer, you're, they're done, they're gone. They're not coming back. Yeah. There, there's somebody else that can, that can either explain it better or is cheaper at that point. Um, and they would rather do that. It's like, okay, if you can't explain it and you're expensive, then no way, no, thank you. Um, yeah. and so we just really got away from trying to differentiate it and we're just like, everyone gets the best design. It's the best design. <laughs> right, it's like right. the top, the top, top level. level. We have amazing designers, lead designers. We're not pulling any punches. We're spending a lot of time on right. it. Um, there's only one option now and it's really, really good. And so, yeah. um, that's, yeah, awesome. it was, it was, a, it was a paradigm shift for us in terms of like, we just had to decide who we wanted to be. Um, right. I had a, I had a really great, uh, we had a really great project manager, um, last year who he, uh, he ended up buying a boat. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, it's always been his dream to just like sail around the world. Um, and he was, he was an excellent, he was one of our best project managers. He was kind of one of those guys that you could like give him the keys and, you know, it, it, the project manager that everyone's looking for, you give him the keys, you right, don't have to worry right. about that client ever again. Right. Um, Oh, I love that. We're, we I just know. hired four of those people on our team and it's been, the most amazing change and the 
the hiring process took so long, but it was so worth it. Like we burned so much cash trying to like hire these people and making yeah. sure that we had the right people and, and really yeah. like lay it out. I think like, um, transparency at the end of the day, when you're hiring these people under transparency from that project manager to the client and having mm-hmm. it in the DNA, DNA of the agency from the time that you're even interviewing, I think that sets the tone, uh, quite a bit. So, uh, it's a game yeah, changer. Just, sorry to, yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I mean, it, it, if you have somebody that you can actually trust to just get stuff done, um, with like minimal input, cause that's really what it comes down to. It's like, okay, you can get people to do stuff what, that you need them to do. Um, but then you get a hundred questions about it. It's like, okay, well now I, I might as well have just done this, you know, <laughs> like I, I, I exactly. You know. exactly. but then somebody can take it off your plate and do that. That's, it's just absolutely invaluable. But, um, to bring it back to them, they, you know, they hit, they found the boat that they had been looking for for the past like two years, you know, and, um, it was kind of a once in a lifetime chance. And, and so they took it and, you know, we, we really didn't pull any punches on sitting down and being like, look, tell us everything of what good and bad of what you think of your experience working here. Um, you know, what are, you know, what are your kind of your departing words for, for us? Um, yeah. so, you know, it was my co-founder and I always had time with him and, uh, he, this was right in the middle as so we were doing that kind of like standard versus elevated. And like, we had the multiple offerings and we're trying all these things, you know, the first year of the agency, obviously we're just throwing shit at the wall, constantly trying to see what's going to yeah. stick. Um, and he said that he said to us, he was like, you gotta, you gotta figure out who you are. Like you have to decide you can't be mm. both. We're trying so mm-hmm. hard to be both of these agencies at the same time. And you can't be both because you're going to have a mediocre product for both of those clients. You're not going to have an, right. a stellar product for one of them. Um, and that hit me really hard. It was one of those days, you know, it was one of those days where I was just like, okay, I can't get any more work done today. Cause I have to like sit down and think about this for, for yeah. minutes, like four yeah. hours. Um, and that was a big change. That was a big turning point. It was like right in Q3 last year. So, I mean, it wasn't even that long ago. Um, right. But I would say like every every minute since then has just been us barreling towards, you know, who are we and trying to like figure out yeah. what what that is and and what is, what's the the ethos? What's what's the mythology of Flow Candy? Like how do you, how do you and what have you arrived story? to? I'm 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 love to hear where you've gotten to since that point. Like where have you what have you thrown at the wall now that's actually like okay, it's stick. This is sticking a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. So, um one thing that I think is really breaking, you know, it's 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 breaking the agency model um and kind of coming back to that like how do we make this customer experience better? Yeah. Is that we're getting rid of forever subscriptions. So like, it's such a, like retainers, you know, it's such a normal, we call it the forever subscription in-house. It's just kind of like how we talk about it, but it, the forever subscription and the like retainer doesn't serve anybody, but the agency, but it still doesn't, it doesn't even serve the agency because it, all it does is drive complacency in my opinion. Um, so if you lock somebody in and it's like, Hey, look, like you're on a subscription, um, and they just stay on that subscription forever there is literally only one way for that relationship to end, which is the client at some point is going to say, I don't want to do this anymore. And I don't think that that's a good way to end a relationship with anybody ever. Like that's that as far as breakups go, that's about the worst way that a breakup can go. It's just like, it's so complacent that somebody's just like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's like, Whoa, like that feels terrible. Like why would you ever want that to be how, how you finish like your interaction with somebody? Um, and so I think 
what we're doing now and what we, you know, we, our first, our product that's like hitting right now is that we have like a, a 90 day program that we, it's very tight. You know, we know exactly what is delivered in that amount of time. The client knows exactly what's delivered in that amount of time. And it move, you know, it's like, here you go. This is the design stuff that you get. This, these are the flows. Like these are the emails. This is the SMS stuff. And it's just very well detailed and documented. There's like a sales page for it. It's very clear what it is. And it's 90 days. It's wow. enough time for us to make a good impression. It's enough time for us to get good work done, to see results, but it's not forever. It's something that somebody right. can, somebody could roll the dice on it. You know, it's like, okay, well, right. let me see if this is good. And we're building in that like review period. You know, it's just right. like admitting that we know the first 90 days are going to be like that agency anxiety stuff that we talked about already. There's going to right, be that period right, of right. them just saying like, is this worth it? Do I like these people? Do I want to work with them? And then on the flip side, we're doing the same thing to them. I would much rather commit to a 90 days of like, okay, I can get this done. And then at the end of those 90 days, I also get to make the decision. Do we want to offer them to continue on a different package? Um, and so I think that well, I, have been- to, I have to, I inter- have to, I have to quickly interrupt you there because you just yeah. said on something that I didn't even think about until you started talking, because yeah. when you started talking about retainers, I was, I was immediately going to like brain bust and be like, well, I, I, I somewhat disagree, but then that you brought it back to that 90 day. Um, mm-hmm. and now that I'm thinking about how we work at taco, it's mm-hmm. actually that same thing, but we still, uh, call it more of a retainer, uh, mm-hmm. package just because of the fact that, because our commitment from our clients is a minimum of two months. After that, do whatever right. the fuck you want to do. If you want to run right. the other way, you want to re-renew, whatever it is. Um, but that's essentially, it's so funny that you say that because essentially our projects, um, so we have like a minimum, we do like buckets of hours. So every right. month a client can get an X amount of hours for basically any of our services. So if they come to us for a phase one, they're going right. to be like, hey, I need you know my product page, my homepage, and something else completely revamped or whatever that might be. So we mm-hmm. just kind of scale that out, scope it out, you know, look at where things are. If, is this feasible for what they want and all this? And usually that happens within like the first two, two and a half months. So that's kind of like, right. okay. And then after that, we tell them, hey, everything after that is very optional. You can re-up on hours. You can do any of that. The only thing that we require is that we require to get paid up front for those hours because there's been too many times in the past where we actually go from, hey, we've, we're done. And the client's like, well, no, that's not really what I wanted. And then the money never comes in because they're mm-hmm. just constantly going like, you know, scope creeping and all these other things. So mm-hmm. that's really interesting that you came to that conclusion because we've been doing that subconsciously without like, we still call it a retainer because we have clients right now that are paying us, you know, X amount of dollars every single month for the past year, year and a half. So that's yeah. been like the long stretch relationship where they just, at this point, they don't want to go to anyone else. They're just like, we, we love working with you. You're getting shit done. We're cool right. with it. Like we don't want to yeah. go hire somebody else, get re you know? So that's actually really, really cool. And I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't, it, you just like cleared up my whole like mind state with that like comment, because in the beginning I was like, wait a minute, I fucking love retainers because we know what we're getting but yeah i never would look to commit anybody to something that you know and, and again we're reevaluating the client at that time right because we're just like absolutely even like these first like 60 days 90 days like right has this been a good experience what's you know we're doing like project debriefs now seeing what what went mm-hmm. right what went wrong and all mm-hmm. these other things so sorry to interrupt i just had to get no, that we're, thought i mean because, we're very on the I mean, same I mean, wavelength like we're we're 100 yeah. like right there yeah. in the same area with with thinking on this um yeah, I mean that's why I called it like the forever subscription. That's that's more how we refer to it as. But I'm you know I just realized that was probably just how we talk about it. 
Um, right, right, right. But you know, we're, we're just trying to get away from, you know, there, there's a lot of really great kind of like smaller, smaller price tag subscriptions that, you know, I'm sure they really benefit from this and people probably get a lot of value out of it. Like first one off the top of my head was like design pickle design pickles. What like right. 700, a thousand dollars a month or something like that. Um, but I think you sign up and then it, you're just subscribed until you cancel, whether you use it or not, you know? Um, and that was how flow candy started. It was like, you subscribe and we're, we're pushing you to use what you want to use or like what, what you sign up for. Um, right. But it was still, you know, it just comes back to like, you're not getting people to rebuy in ever. Um, and, and so, right. you know, we saw, we saw a big, a big step in like, uh, conversions on our side in terms of like being able to present this package and just say like, look, this is, this is the 90 days. This is what we're going to be doing. Um, and it, it just made everyone feel a little bit more comfortable. And so now like moving on to the next side. So we're looking at, okay, what happens after this first 90 days? What does the, the package look like? Um, we're really trying to start to center that around some sort of goal, you know, because there's, you know, you can, you can be very loosey goosey with email. It's like, Hey, I'm, we're, we're looking at, you know, we're, we'll do like eight emails, eight campaigns this month and like, you know, four mm-hmm. flows or whatever. And X, Y, Z. That's, we you know, we've played that game a little bit before we kind of, we've tried to center our packages around like deliverables, like number of deliver, de- deliverables. Um, you know, we thought about ours. We do that with our enterprise clients because that just makes more sense on that level. Um, but the, I, I feel like development hours just work a little bit better for development agencies, you know, um, for right, some reason, right. it's just, it's a little bit harder for us to kind of like calculate that out. I'd rather almost, you know, it's like, okay, even if we do hours, they're going to say like, how many emails is that? You know, it's like, it will come back to the emails yeah. anyway. So I might as well just start talking about it in, yeah, that, yeah. in that realm. Exactly. Um, and so the way that we're kind of trying to remedy, remedy that is that we can look at you know, kind of our philosophy on retention. We can kind of think about what are the levers we can pull here? How can we really help this brand grow? So what what do they need? What are the things that we can do to actually, you know, move, move the needle a little bit, you know? And so, um, you know, we, we did the same thing. We have minimum commitment is 90 days now. Like I, like I said, that product is 90 days. Yeah. But every subsequent agreement is also 90 days is how we're getting into it now okay so it's like we only do nice. we do we resell every quarter basically so we're doing like you said the, the project we call them postmortems. we do a postmortem on the quarter and we look at it and we say like this is all the stuff we got done and this is also what mm-hmm. we think that you should be doing for the next quarter and i you know you can you can do that in-house if you want go ahead you can take you have the templates we made for right. you you have our design system that we built in figma for you you have all of the suggestions that we're making. You've seen how we've done it. If you want to do it in-house, totally fine. I'll even help you find the the manager to do it. Like, you know, if you want, if you want us to interview people, right, like, right. you know, no problem. We'll, we'll advise you on that. You want to take it to another agency? Also be my guest. You know, at the end of the day, it's your right. business. Do what you want to do, right? But right, right, right. you paint that picture. It's just like, look, this is what we see for you to do for the next quarter. And then it's a very easy, you know, like you said, you have the relationship. They're like, I don't want to go find anyone else. I don't want to do this in-house. You're doing us a lot, a big favor by not having to think about this ever. And they, they'll, they'll just pull the trigger and do that next 90 days as well. But it makes us think about it because I, I don't want us, I don't want, you know, I think about these things because I'm really, I'm really, I care about these clients. I want them to like be successful. 
Um, I want it to reflect well on us. I want it to be a, a brand that they talk about with other people they know in the space. Um, but the only way to right. like systematize this and to have it be like ethos all the way through when it's somebody who, you know, not, not to say that any of my employees don't care. They're all, they're all incredible and they all are really great. But down the line, right. what if it's someone that I don't have like as personal of a relationship with, you know, building this ethos of like holding ourselves accountable to every three months, making mm-hmm. sure that we did something great for them and we're doing something great for them in the upcoming quarter. Um, I just think that's a really good like baseline to set for, for how we think about our products. And it, and it, it removes that, that anxiety that like, is somebody doing anything or did I just pay, you know, did I just pay this agency thousands of dollars over the last three months? And what do I really have to show with? I don't, I don't want ever anyone to ever say that. I want anyone to ever say that about flow candy. Um, and I think we're finally at that point where it's like, okay, you know, obviously grow through growing pains. You have clients that are like, uh, that wasn't, you know, like, Oh, we could definitely could have done better kind of stuff. Um, but I think we're finally moving out of that phase where it's like, I know that every client that comes through, we finally have like gotten it to the point where it's like you can get that kind of customer satisfaction up. That cu- that customer experience is going to be I love it. One hundred emoji, and like I'm happy about it. So um, I think that's been our Hell biggest yeah. kind of like our, our our biggest learning over the last like years from that kind of change uh, from that shift of like who are we? And it's like well, we want to be the people that actually give a shit and like actually you know are going to yeah. be able to talk to you about the stuff and we'll fix the little thing here and there even though you didn't pay for the hours to do it we'll jump in and like do your domain warm up real quick to make sure that like it's going to work and like um it's just a lot more about like how do we make a great experience um and honestly that that comes back to the it. ux stuff you know it's just like that's yeah that's where it all comes from is how do you make people feel good about what you're doing how do you like how do you make them feel and how do you how do you make it exactly. a good time to just work together a hundred percent. And that's, um, uh, I have so many things to say, but first and foremost, uh, I think on my end, uh, that's where I, as a, uh, as a, as founder and I would say CEO in a day-to-day basis before I kind of stepped down from taco on that front. Um, it, that's where, that's where I think I fell, started falling a little bit short because I was starting to feel a little bit of that burnout, um, because we were mm-hmm. constantly making one client very happy um, and yeah. this is before we did like a lot of retainer stuff and everything like that. When we flipped on the retainer thing, that was like a game changer. Um, but it was one of those things where um, we would get one client of a very high price tag and then we would have one super unhappy client because maybe they went in and fucked around with something and then we we went in mm-hmm. and tried to fix it. And they, you know, and this starts becoming this like, and it, with development, it's so much harder with like email. I mean, you get a little bit of that, but man, yeah. when it comes to development, like I want to move this button, I want to change this color. I'm just like, dude, yeah. like we, we're doing this for you. After we're done, you can just go fuck everything up. Just My conversion up rate just dropped 4%. It's like, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so it's a, it's a, it's a constant battle. And, and, um, so, uh, on our end, we had to front load that sort of transparency and expectations a lot more. And Grace, who's the CEO at Taco for the past, I always butcher this because I feel like she's been CEO for so much longer, but I think it's at like eight months now or something yeah. like that, something crazy. Um, but it, it's one of those things where, I, we call it like tightening up the ship a little bit because of the yep. fact that we needed to, from the top, from the time we were, were selling on our first call, discovery call, sales call, whatever you want to call it, to the mm-hmm. point where, you know, we're onboarding them. And um, going back to your onboarding thing, um, one thing that we did, and um, we can chat, you know, offline about this, 
we actually worked with a company uh, uh, that does like a lot of no code stuff. Um, they basically focused on building a no code platform for like client portals. And so what we did is we connected basically like internally, we use things like Asana, Slack, you mm-hmm. know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Zendesk, HubSpot, like all these different things. And we basically took that tool and we brought it even Stripe, like showing them their payments, how much they money they spent with us, how many hours they have, like all of mm-hmm. that stuff. And we just put that all like into the client's corner. And we just said every week, this thing is just going to be updated and you can mm-hmm. check in any time to go in and say, hey, I want to re-up for more hours or I need to like press pause or I need to do whatever it is. And yeah. I think till this day, I have to check with Emma, who's our like ops magician who does all this, like... I don't think we've had one client be like, what the fuck is this? Why did you guys put this in front of me? Everyone's just like, no, this is great. Like, I don't even have to email you guys about this shit anymore. We have less conversations. We don't have to deal with it on the, you know, when you go to those calls and you're like, let's talk about new features or the next phase of things. And they're like, wait a minute, how many hours do we have? Like everything, that conversation has been completely like pushed into their corner. So if they ask that question, that just means that they're not checking their portal. And honestly, man, like, that's been one of those tools that I highly, highly recommend to everybody because we're no longer doing email updates. Things are getting lost in the, you know, in the in the mm-hmm. gutters of the email and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. Like everything's just been front loaded to be like, hey, when you sign on with us, and I'm even trying to get the team to figure out how we can almost use the client portal as like a sales funnel to be mm-hmm. like, hey, when you work with Taco, you get this. When you work yeah. with this company, you may not get that. Right. Um, and again, I'm I'm one of those people, and this is why myself and Grace get along so well on so many different levels. But one thing that her and I agree on all the time is, fuck what everybody else is doing. Let's do us. Let's yeah. do what we do best. And tunnel vision. I don't look over the fence. Uh, they can look over the fence all they want. My my gate's completely open. But mm-hmm. I don't give a shit about what anybody else is doing. We want to do it our way. And we yeah. want to do it with a personality and a little bit of culture behind it and do it differently where, you know, somebody may see that something as like a very simple thing. But we're like, no, we actually listen to our clients. We ask them for feedback. And this is what they wanted. So that's what we gave it to them. And one thing was always this, you know, transparency into our transparency into you know all these different things sending them reports and all this other stuff now we just do a simple google sheet upload and everything looks in this like nice like web view and all this other stuff so if you ever if you ever want to go down that road and provide that level because it's so easy and so much time has been saved on our end let me know because i think that'll that'll do wonders for for i think a lot of agencies and running a service business in my opinion I love it because we get to help. I mean, you, I think more so than anything, because the email is so powerful. Uh, We love helping small businesses. We love seeing Mm -hmm. that growth of, you know, oh, I have first hundred subscribers and now I have, you know, 500 and I have this, like, we love that. And anytime somebody approaches us with like, hey, I just don't have the budget, but man, I could really use your help. Like, like you said, we'll even spend some extra hours or we'll just right. kind of figure out like how we can make this work. Do we yeah. bill on a longer period of time at a shorter rate? Like let's make it fair for both parties, right? Like we right. don't want to be, we're, we're not a nonprofit. We, we still like to make money, but at the same time, like we like to help people too. So um, yeah, transparency to me and, and the entire team has been a huge like thing that we put on the wall and we're never taking that down because I think uh, when you're, 
the amount of, like you said, you get so many shit agencies that do shit work. And then all of a sudden you get them to come, you know, the client comes like, Hey, listen, I mean, we're dealing with somebody right now. They hired somebody, uh, a huge agency, and they just completely dropped the ball. The person lost a bunch of subscribers. It's an all subscription business. So it's just like, that's like their bloodline. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of those things is like, we, we've had to clean up so many other people's messes that mm-hmm. that and then on top of that layering that transparency above it like that has earned us so much trust and so much positive like reinforcement on what we're doing that it's really helped the agency scale from even from a mental perspective perspective like how we present ourselves how we because we know you know like we know our shit stinks but it doesn't stink as bad as some of the other people maybe and we're gonna take it for what it is and we're gonna just continue building 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 and doing good things because we don't want to be shady we don't want anyone to leave unhappy and leave some shitty reviews like exactly the same kind of stuff that that, that you're talking about so um I, I i love hearing it because i feel like sometimes um people don't talk about it enough and uh, i think clients deserve that level of transparency i mean i'm building a brand right now and it's like we're working with an agency to do some like ads and social ads and all this other stuff and it's like you know when somebody sends you a proposal that's like kind of like oh what's going on here what does this actually mean it's like that already sets the tone for like oh this is going to just be a lot of back and forth a lot of clarification a lot of this a lot of that it's like yeah you know uh so it's just it's just a matter of how you approach it and i think for us, it's been this like upward trajectory of like, just be concise, be transparent and just give them what they, what they need. For sure. I mean, that's, um, that's like the, the backing to our products in general. Um, you know, if you can, if you can set expectations before you're even in that, you know, like discovery call, um, you know, and that's something we're working on right now as well as kind of like getting, getting a little bit more like pre-nurturing kind of stuff out of the content and just like a little bit more access to mm-hmm. designs and case studies and things like that on our site. And, um, you know, cause that, that's ultimately the goal, right? Is that you, you don't even have to send a, a scope or a, or a proposal or whatever, because they're yeah. just like, all right, bye. You know, as soon as they're in the call, they're, they're ready right. to go. Um, and you know, transparency is, is a huge part of that. Cause it's like, look, this is, this is exactly what I'm going to do for you. This is, you know, um, we talk, mm-hmm. we talk about it a lot of, um, like set it up and knock it down so like you you put up the target right, and everyone right. can see what the target is and pew, you got it like you know it's like okay great we got that one done like let's move to the let's put up another target and go to that one you know uh, um yeah but i mean that's the that's such a good suggestion and i'm definitely going to want the the name of the software that you're using because we, we tried something like that actually for the kind of like I guess you could call it like flow candy v, v1 v maybe maybe that was v2 we might be on like v3 or v4 now um, but like V2, we were using, uh, a great service. I mean, you know, they, they just didn't end up being the right fit for us. So I, I'm not like blasting them or anything like that. Um, yeah. it, it was, it was really good for what it is. Um, it's called SPP service provider pro. Um, and I liked it a lot. It, it has a lot of kind of like custom custom, it's customizable. Um, uh-huh. But we were able to have like all of our email chains in there and we had kind of like, we reflected what was in, you know, we use ClickUp not, uh, instead of Asana. So we, we reflected like what was in ClickUp on on SPP and it gave right. them a kind of login portal. You can see your invoices and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think what really ended up happening for us there is that we just realized that as we were in like Flowcandy V2 or whatever, V1, V2, um, we were 
trimming away, you know, I, I, I mentioned this earlier of how you have to like, yeah. there, something's got to give on one side or the other, you know, like to make it, mm-hmm. to make it profitable. And so one of the things that we kind of like put a, a, a restriction on was like calls. So like getting, getting people on a call and getting a project manager on a call to like talk about something. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so we were using SPP as kind of like a way to, you know, be that barrier in between of like, all right, well, this is where you can find all the information instead of having to like get on a call. Um, right. But you bring up a really good point that, you know, as we kind of move into this, because we have, we kind of schedule like weekly calls or bi-weekly calls with our clients, all, every client now. It's just a normal thing, especially, you know, like at the price point we're at now, it just makes more sense. And, you know, it's, it's a, it, it really does help. It's good to be able to like check in, touch base, and it, it gives right. you that opportunity to continue to develop that relationship. Um, but Especially I if you like the client too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, that's yeah. my goal is I only want to work with people I like, or at least can stand exactly. being on a call for, you know, half an hour a week with. So, <laughs> right, um, right, right, right. So, you know, I, I, I think that as we move forward, we're definitely going to have to move back towards something similar to SBP because I, I want to, another big goal of mine for this year is to uh, look at how we, you know, I'm, I'm talking about setting up and knocking it down or like how there's a goal for each of our products per quarter. Um, I want that to be like really metric based, you know, I, I need it to be, there needs to be a report around it. I need to be able to say like, okay, we're working on, you know, your conversions of, you know, new subscribers to first time customers. This is how many people converted to being a first time customer this month. Um, yeah. And I want those things to be really, you know, I want a dashboard. I want to talk about like data studio and like being able to like populate that and like how that's going to happen. Um, so that could be a really big help. I, I would love to see, see what you're doing there. Yeah, it's a it's a company by the name of No Loco N O L O C O dot. Okay, I think it's dot I O. Maybe okay. uh, ch- check them out. But um, uh, two two founders. One is one of them is a dev. Um, uh, Simon and Darag. They're they're amazing. I mean, I reached out to them. I, literally, no joke. I was like, we've been kind of running into this issue. Clients wanting this. Clients wanting this. And all I can think about is like, damn, we're using so many different tools. There's absolutely nothing out there other than proprietary platforms where you mm-hmm. have to like use their task management tool, their project right. management tool, yeah. their time tracking tool. And I'm just like, I don't want to go in that direction because we just got everything set up on Asana. It's a big infrastructure, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's got to be something where we can connect this. And I had written out this document that was, I think, like three or four pages. Like, we need to do this. We need to do this. We need to do this. And like, we need to be able to like, when something happens in Asana, we need to be able to differentiate what's, you know, what's here and all this other stuff, all these other things. And, um, and I go on product hunt, which I have like literally like spent so much time on during the week just because I love looking at shit. And I see this thing that says like, you know, no code for like client portals. And I was like, oh, hell no. I was like, this cannot be what I was looking for. Like these guys yeah. just launched, like somebody's been listening to me over here. Right. And then all of a sudden I go in, I reach out to the guy and I didn't even like hesitate. I'm like, dude, here's my doc that I've been writing out. This is all the features we need. We need time tracking. We need this, we need that. And he was just like, well, we could probably do like 75, 80% of this out of the box. And I was like, what? Dang. I was like, you just saved me so much time. And so then they took the project. They're like, you know what? And since, you know, we're, we, they just got funded by like YC and all this other stuff. They're like, since we're trying to gain a little bit of traction, like we'll do the other pieces for you at like kind of like a pro bono thing. Like we'll set it cool. all, all up, make sure all the APIs, everything's native. And man, like they've been absolutely amazing. So if you need, I'll, I'll make sure to make an introduction because they're an awesome group of guys. And I think their team is growing pretty well right now, but um, it's a it's a great tool and I highly recommend it for any agency out there that wants to give that transparency to their clients. Because honestly, it's been a, it's been a game changer for us. And 
also, I think the biggest thing is like sometimes when clients ask you, oh, what's going on? How many hours? Or can I get a report? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like there's always some some level of scrambling. No reason to like say like, oh, nobody's organized or anything like that. Like, But there's always a level of like, oh, fuck, what did we tell them last week? Let me go back to the email. Let me go do this. Let me go check. The, let me check right. the PM. Let me check the. And it's just like always this level of like back and forth where here it's like whatever you moved in Asana from like to do to in progress is also showing up on the client side so right we're we're like it's like a mirror image type of thing so um that's the work that takes away from the work exactly and this is what you and i talked about before is the operational Mm -hmm. side of things like writing out these guides and writing all these things out um i mean we have so much of this information it's crazy like grace and i are already talking about like hey i think we can almost turn this into almost like a small like cohort type of thing or like a course thing where we i mean we literally emma is like the most insanely amazing person when it comes to this but she when she's doing something and she wants to write out an onboarding process or like wants to just have that information as like a knowledge base for anybody else that may take on that role later she goes in does a loom like does the whole video writes everything up in a doc i mean she's the most thorough person that i know Mm -hmm. and one of those things i'm just like wait guys like we're spending a lot of time doing this like we need to be able to like help other people with this. And then Grace and I have just literally been talking about how we can kind of flip that upside down and like create something a little bit more. um, I don't want to say cookie cutter, but more like here's like the 10 things that absolutely every agency needs to do or how they need to do it. But whatever you want to throw in with like your own little sauce or whatever it is, that's cool. But here's sort of like the framework that you want to stay within, which will allow you to, you know, an agency that's been around for four years at this point, like yeah, allow you to yeah. cut it down to maybe into like six to six months to a year to be able to get to the same level, which yeah. in all honesty, like a, is a huge jump. No, I mean, I, it's funny that you mentioned that because I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I, I would probably put what you, you know, what an agency at four years has in process, you know, cutting it down to being, being able to implement in like six to 12 months. But just in case, like, just in terms of like talking about starting agencies, I think this is one thing that doesn't get talked about enough of that. The first zero to, I, I mean, I'm hoping 24 months, like, yeah, yeah, is, yeah, yeah, is I'm starting to just call it like the brute force period. Uh huh. Um, uh-huh. The grit, the grit, the grit, the, yeah, the brute force is just, there's no process that's going to help you in the in right. month zero to 24 there's not a single process i don't care how many employees you have i don't care like mm-hmm. you know there's no silver bullet sop for anything there is like right there is absolutely nothing that there's no honestly at the end of the day there are courses on selling there are courses on, and and that's pretty much the only course you need to take in your first 24 months yeah. it's just like learn right. how to sell and then learn how to do what you do and you need to be the best one on your team at what you do as well. You need to be the mm-hmm. best, you know, the, the best with clients, you need to be the best with like actually building the emails and like troubleshooting the stuff. And, you know, on our side, mm-hmm. at least, um, like designing them, making sure that everything's conversion optimized and you're the best at the strategy and all of that. Um, and you know, I, you, you see so much stuff on like Twitter and all these things of like, okay, well I got your, you know, zero to zero to 50 K like in six weeks, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And that kind of thing. And it's just like, that is, it's so, I don't, I don't know if it's so far from the truth. It's, it's far from my truth in terms of like, you, you just have 100%. to sit down and like, we, we, the solution to every problem for us, whenever we hit it, is just like brute force. It's like one of our, mm-hmm. one of our top, one of the leadership has to just sit down and stew in it. You got to get in yeah. and just like really stew. You have to like, 
figure out from the bottom of like, how do I solve this problem? Um, and then, yeah. And that's why I'm looking at, okay, like now is when I want to take that course. You know, I want to take your course of like, all right, how do I, how do I process this out? Because it's like, all right, you know, we're, we're trying to figure these things out and we're, but really the only answer that we've found that is successful over the last two years is, is brute force. And, um, it's kind of a, it's a, not, it shouldn't necessarily be this, but it is a little bit more, it's a little disheartening, I guess, probably for people that are like starting agencies where you were here just like, okay, the only answer is like work harder. Um, yeah. but you know, this is the, this is that period where you, you hear all the stories of like, Oh, I worked 18 hour days. I'm not, I'm not saying I work 18 hour days. That's definitely right, not happening. Right. Um, but no. I, I like, I like my life too much to, to do that. Um, exactly. But, uh, exactly. Yeah. But, uh, this, this is where that comes from. It's like, there's no, there are no answers in the first two years I'm starting to realize. And, um, you know, all the, all the agencies that you see out there, I'm, I'm starting to realize like the average age of the successful ones is like five plus years. Like there's not, you know, it's so yeah. rare that you find anyone that's like, le- you know, you ask somebody who's, um, who's successful and it's like, Oh, seven years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, you mm-hmm. know, like minimum you get, is usually like six. And so I'm just kind of yeah. starting, you start to benchmark it a little bit more where it's like, okay, like I, I'll, I'll grind it out for a couple of years. And then like, hopefully year three, year four, it starts to like trend a little bit easier in terms of like, all right, pro- things are processed out. You can actually have other people like, uh, really taking care of like core, like vital, you know, vital organ process, um, mm-hmm. and then, you know, maybe by year six, it's like a little bit more chill, but, um, I don't know. It just made me think of that. Cause I, I, that's been something I've been thinking about a lot of like, how, how do you like really think about agency growth? How do you really think about like, what is, what is normal? If there is a normal, what is kind of like a, a pace to be, am I on pace? Am I off pace? Am I, you know, how, are, how are things going? Should I be doing more process stuff? Am I doing too much stuff on my own? Am I, you know, but it, right. it really just comes down to that. I, I think that you have to, like, you have to, if you really want to be successful, you have to be the person to know everything that's going on in the company. You can't have like a single process that you're not like intimately familiar with, um, or your partner is intimately familiar with. Like it has to be one of you is like on it. If you're like, if you're lucky yeah. and have a co-founder, you know, like, um, yeah. But it's 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 tough. It's there's a lot to do. It's you know you got to do the work and you have to do all the work. So much, <laughs> yeah. So so much. And, and uh, honestly, for the first, I mean, at this point, um, I would say probably two years until I started really hiring people to like help me out on the PM side. I mean, I was doing sales calls. I was doing any kind of marketing that we did, whether it was mm-hmm. like Twitter related mm-hmm. stuff, whatever it is. Um, it was support tickets, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and I think the biggest thing that, and I know this is going to sound crazy to say, but it's like the nature of like getting up and running. I was one of those people that uh, this was, there was no plan B, like it was plan A and then there's like plan A and that was it. And to me that signified like, I need to do whatever I can to make sure that I survive at least for the next three. Like I was going in like three month stages because I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. At least one of these projects is a month. One of these projects is two. That gives me three months to get the next three month brought. You know what I mean? Like it's this, it's this very like spur, like oriented, like process. And to me, the biggest, I think some of the biggest mistakes and the biggest losses I've, I've had was in the beginning when I was just taking on any project that was willing to put money in my pocket. And Mm -hmm. I think there's nothing wrong with that 
until you're at a place where you don't need to do that and be like, damn, could have saved myself. Again, you know, hindsight 2020, always easier to look at it that way. But to me, like those $500,000 projects that we did just to like, you know, make payroll the next week was just one of those things that you have to sacrifice. And there's no perfect, there's no perfect solution. The one thing that I would tell uh, anyone that's, you know, potentially trying to start an agency or, or at the beginning of their life cycle of their agency is like, know what you're really, really good at and go after that thing until other opportunities open up for you. Because I think for me, it was very tough to only only be like, oh, all the money that not only I'm making and the company's making is coming from clients. To me, that was like, that's a very, that's a single point of failure. No matter how many clients you have, they can all go away tomorrow and that all like, you know, just goes to shit. Yeah. So one thing that we started, uh, what I started really doing is like trying to go after some of these like partnerships. So the partnership programs across, you know, in our case, Shopify ecosystem was, you know, um, it was cool, but it wasn't, you know, great. And then sometimes people realize like, hey, this person's sending us a bunch of like new store signups. Like um, we had a couple of partners reach out and be like, hey, do you guys want to make some passive income on the side? Like we can give you a 10, 20 percent kickback and all this. And no joke, Brian, like we went from the first couple of years, you know, made a few thousand bucks in the year, just like passive income. Mm-hmm. Last year, I really like the beginning of last year, I should say, I really I was just like, you know what? I want to see how far I can grow this partnership affiliate thing. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Every single thing that we did, every new client that we get in, we're like, all right, here's our checklist of partners that we get affiliate credit from. Yeah. Do they do they do they need any of this or are they partnered with this person already so that we can go back and say, hey, we're working with them. How can we help them improve and like really maximize our because that was time we spent working on their product. But we were already we were billing them for the time. But like there was a more of a long tail, like sort of revenue stream there for us. So we went from, like I said, a few thousand bucks first couple of years to last year we broke $130,000 in passive income, like straight Mm -hmm. like affiliate. And to me, that was like, oh, shit, this is like super. I mean, I don't want to call it easy. It's not easy by any means, but it's easy money once you get the flywheel going. Right. So you just, you know, whatever you're doing, you got to. So to me, I would say when agency, when somebody's starting an agency, like focus on what you're good at. Like, for example, in your case, it went from design to like, okay, email. Email is the thing that we want to we want to do. But from that, you know, you may be able to uh, go into something else where you're like, hey, we can create like a little product here that's going to make us, you know, I don't know, a few thousand bucks every month. But people mm-hmm. need this every single email. So to me, it's like get creative really quickly and start to put down ideas of where you can actually tap into that's also within your wheelhouse, almost like in your same, you're not changing into a different company. You're not doing anything else. It's like, we're already doing this. It's just, just like almost like a little add on that we get every time this right. person signs up. Maybe it's only 90 days, but then we also have a $30 subscription that they have to pay every month because this little tool that we created for them or whatever. So I think for me, niche markets have always been a lot more intriguing than going after like some big unicorn like i don't want to redo email clavio is doing a great job mailchimp you know i don't want to redo that 
but there's always going to be something in between from the time that you start working with them to the time that like you might be done and be like, man, I've started to notice a trend. A lot of people need this feature and nobody's doing it out of the box and nobody has it on the roadmap. Like let's build this and, and just kind of slide that in as like a part of the sales. And you'd be surprised how many people be like, sure, 30 bucks this is what, oh, cool. And then there's, you know, that keeps building up compounding and all this other stuff. So to me, that's always been the thing. Diversify when, when the time feels right and when you feel like you can actually make somebody's life a little bit easier with whatever you're selling. Because at the end of the day, service business is very, very hard to do. And if you're not ready, like you said, if you're not ready for the, for the brute force and the grit, um, it's going to be a very tough uphill battle for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, that's so real. Uh, we, we actually, we, yeah. I think we talked about this, um, recently of like, you know, software is a hundred percent where I would love to be at some point. Um, part of me has always thought of flow candy as a software company, even if we yeah. started as a service, um, mm-hmm. just because I don't think it's smart to think any other way. Like pure agencies right. are just, uh, low margin, hard work. It's mm-hmm. just hard. Um, yeah. And, and there's you know, always just, unexpected expenses, un- unexpected, you know, yeah. shit that comes about. And yeah, yeah exactly. And it, it and it's always going to happen. It's always going to be there. Um, one thing that I am envious of with like developer, you know, dev shops basically is that you guys get all the best kickbacks. It's like, you know, by the time I get a client, even if they're a fresh store, they've already been signed up to Shopify. They've already been signed up to Klaviyo. They've already been signed uh-huh. up to Yotpo. And it's just like, okay, cool. Like, you know, there's nothing nothing yeah. left for us at that point, you know. So we're not, we don't get to sign anybody up. You know, actually, one of the funniest things is we are technically a Klaviyo silver partner. Um, okay. Which is the lowest rung of the Klaviyo partner program. Uh, and that is because they changed their partner program in at the beginning of, uh, I think it was 2021. Yeah, and, I remember that. Yeah, and it is only based on, uh, what is it, referred revenue. So it's you, right. you have they have two different columns now. It's referred revenue and, um, and, and managed. managed revenue. Yeah. yeah. We manage a platinum level of revenue, but we referred a silver level of revenue. So we are just oh. a silver partner, which I, I think is absolutely hilarious it's just like okay whatever like i'm not i'm not making any money based on the like level of partner program that i am and if that's the if that's the deal breaker for like a client it's like okay well i probably maybe don't want to work together anyway um right right yeah but uh so it's just you know i i know a few other people that own development agencies and we talk about this all all the time and it's just like oh yeah like good for you guys you get you get your 130k of passive income and i'm sitting over here like trying to looking at my two two dollar fifty check from octane ai i'm like oh yeah look at that got some extra revenue this month um so you know it's free coffee for everybody yeah it's like oh man i'm I'm going to starbucks today like this is gonna be great um black coffee can't even get a can't even get a flavor Uh, (laughs) uh, oh that's hilarious but but yeah no you made a really good partner program yeah oh no no they they really are they're 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 a gold mine if you if you're in the right if you're in the right part of the customer journey for a store like you know we've we we had an agency coach for a little while and he was uh he he did keep also you know formerly known as Infusionsoft um, for a long time, mm-hmm. and he built an agency around that. And I know he, he's just like raking it in in terms of the like you know sign up sign up bonus type stuff that's been coming through. And I you know it's 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 a 
it's definitely something that I've considered of like, okay, is there a pivot in there somewhere where it starts to be like, we do migrations, you know, it's like we, we sign Mm -hmm. people up for Klaviyo or whatever. Um, so that could definitely be a, a portion of how we, how we think about it. But what I wanted to come back to is something that you mentioned in terms of the, like getting really niche and solving a really niche problem. Um, you know, we're kind of thinking about like what, if, if, if you have any suggestions for like a new agency or an agency owner or something like that of like, um, and I, I talked with my mastermind about this recently because a big change and, you know, how I said we went through a kind of like a paradigm shift with who Flow Candy is, is, you know, I thought we knew who we were through all of that. I right. really thought that we knew who we were um, because from my like marketing perspective and the background of other businesses that I've started in, in the past, I, I felt like I was, we were pretty niche down. Like mm-hmm. it's the first suggestion every time you're starting a business, niche down, niche down, niche down. Um, and, you know, I really thought like, okay, we've got, we've got our niche, you know, we do email marketing for e-commerce stores that are using Klaviyo. It's like, okay, we got, we have our service, we have our target vertical and we even have a platform. It's like, okay, we only do the, you know, it's that, that is niche down. And Mm -hmm. I then realized like uh, in, in Q3 last year, like that actually wasn't enough. Like the three variables isn't enough. And so now my suggestion is like, you got to have four variables. There has to be a fourth variable in there. Um, and the, the one we added was, uh, doing a hundred thousand dollars a month or more. So we set like a, we set a, a minimum revenue requirement for stores. So that way, you know, we can like, we can be talking to someone and get access to Clavio and then we know like instantly whether they're qualified or not. Um, and then obviously we can kind of make, make exceptions around that where it's like, okay, well they're doing 75, but X, Y, Z, you know, there, there's another reason that we can kind of find that they're qualified. Um, and so like niching in, in an agency, like is, I think just the, that is actually the, if there is a silver bullet, it's like getting super specific on what you do and like, well, for making sure that there's enough of of an addressable market that that's going to be sustainable, but just figuring out how, how to describe yourself is and and have it be one sentence and something that you can like put on your website basically um because i'm pretty sure like most of that is on our website if not our um or like our landing page for products and stuff like that yeah um but just being able to get that buy-in you know it's like it's copywriting 101 at the end of the day it's like if you can get somebody to say yes 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 to like all the things it's like i fall into all i need that i am a one hundred thousand dollar a month e-commerce store and I'm using Clavio, like, you know, that's, that's exactly what I'm, this is for me. Um, right. it just makes the whole discovery kind of like alignment process so much easier and honestly a lot more fun as well. Cause you just start to get into conversations that are, you can, you can get rid of the dumb conversations where you're just like, oh, I don't want to be talking to this person right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And so, and, and see, see for, uh, for us, uh, the part of that uh, process was we started building this app, like probably beginning of last year, maybe a little bit, a few months in, um, and I'm sure you guys have ran across this in an agency world too. It's like, and it's really, really niche. Um, and I, I might've talked to you about it before. It's like a, basically a timeline app that allows mm-hmm. you to mm-hmm. bring everything into one format, like all this other stuff. So the whole right. concept is, you know, using different tools, the HubSpots, uh, Asana's, like all the stuff that we talked about. And our problem, where, where this kind of idea derived from really, um, was how do we keep track 
of things relative to one client or one project uh, that matter. Only the things that really matter. Deadlines, uh, payments, uh, you know, uh, milestones of like, hey, we reached this many customers or this is how much money we made. Or, you know, there's certain like like highlights of each person's journey that we want to basically be like, okay, let's save this in our little like tool that we have here. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I really, that we noticed was like, okay, clients will go, Hey, I wanted, you know, I, I wanted to buy this, but I wanted it in blue and I didn't want it in, in brown or gray or whatever it is. And it's like, wait, when did you say you wanted blue? We don't remember that. Cause it's probably in some email and send mm-hmm. us ticket mm-hmm. or maybe even like in some fucking notes that they sent us from the beginning. They're like, I said it right here. And I'm like, Oh my God. I, right. I mean, I'm sure we read it, but like we didn't really read it. So yeah. it's, it became a more uh, more of an issue because we would get on a call like me, Grace, and anybody else, and be like, "No, they didn't tell us they wanted this. Why are they claiming this?" And we start it's just frustration started building up, and I'm like, mm-hmm. "You know what? We need something to keep us both accountable." Yeah, sometimes we fuck up, sometimes they fuck up, but at the end of the day, if we could just come to a point where, okay, you guys said this, we forgot it, that's on us, or hey, you never said this, and now you're claiming it, that's on you. So having this responsibility factor, accountability. And Mm -hmm. so when we started building this tool, it was very much like, let's keep it very simple and lean. So what it does is basically I go on any website or any tool that we're using, I highlight a piece of text, I hit my little Chrome extension, all automatically it pulls in the URL, it pulls in the text that I highlighted, and it pulls in the logo from that app. So what right. happens is it builds it literally into this timeline format where it gives you that timestamp, hours, minutes, whatever it is, gives you the date, and it gives you a sense of reference where you need to go. Now, the tool isn't to replace Asana or ClickUp or any of the tools. It's I call it like to me, the real wording is like, it's a sidecar to the main car. It's like mm-hmm. something that like, it's like when you're riding a motorcycle and you see the guy with the little like sidecar type of thing, like yeah. that to me, what, what we're building is because it helps us bridge the gap between loss of information and accountability to the point where, hey, if it's not in the timeline app, it probably didn't happen or yeah. we missed it. And I mean, you're like, me, you're like real time mapping the customer journey basically. Exactly. Exactly. And then, you know, as we were going through that from a project management perspective, like that was a huge win. Everyone on our team that's like onboarded and started using it. And we have a part of our onboarding process. Like we're using timeline for this client because of Mm -hmm. reason X, Y, and Z. We can even preset deadlines and dates. We want to launch things or whatever it is. Right. Um, But I think it, it started. And then I like shifted over to building products in my other agency now. And I'm like, whoa, this is a whole different ballgame now. Now mm-hmm. we can use this for people that are, you know, creators, builders, whoever it is, they can actually track their journey uh, from the starting point. Like, hey, started writing my first piece of code, select the text and drop it in there. That yeah. way, when you go back to that, at some point, you're going to be like, oh, shit. And then you go right back by saving the URL. You go right back to where you left off type of thing. There's no, oh, I need to save it in here and it's a different format. It's this and that. Yeah. You're just simply looking to aggregate information that will allow you to go back to the original place where you saved it from. We don't want to be the place where you come to where it's like we ha- we hold all this information. We're just literally a reference point, like keeping track of important events. It's the Facebook timeline minus the social element. Like 100%. You, and, and like you can exactly. actually kind of boil it down to, because I mean, that's that's really what 
like timelines were invented for, right? You know, it's called a timeline right. or like, at least like on a social network, yeah. it's supposed to be like your, your life events. Right. And so exactly. being able to find like a, like a mic, you know, microscope down, like zoom in on like a certain interaction or a certain period or a certain journey. I think that's a really, like a really useful thing. And I mean, I think, I think about customer journey a lot. Um, I mean, obviously like that's what it's all email really is. It's just customer journeys. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's made me think a lot about, you know, obviously we, we build like little maps for our customers. Like they go drop in here and they come through this way and stuff like that. And I've been thinking about that a lot for like flow candy as well. It's like, okay, so mm -hmm. what does, what does, what would a map like that look like for, for us? You know, how, what is the ideal customer journey of somebody, you know, this is when they hear about flow candy. Like this is the, the next touch point. This is the, you know, cause trying to, how do you, the only way to like really optimize or improve any of that is actually know what all the touch points are. Right. And so like being exactly. able to, I love that you said that you can build in kind of like expected due dates and stuff like that, because that I think would be such a powerful tool in terms of being able to say like, Oh, it's this day of the, you know, it's, it's Tuesday, March 29th. Like this is what I have to do today for this client based on like the customer experience, like journey that we are trying to create mm -hmm. for them. So like, cause I, I, I have that in my head a lot of the time and I'll, I'll jump into Slack and be like, Hey, I need you to send this today. Or I, I just need you to send X client, like a note saying like, Hey, what's up? Like here are the things we're working on, even though there's nothing like pressing or do, or right. they haven't said anything. It's just like, you have that sixth sense. You have that feeling. You're like, we got to touch base today. It's been three business days since the last time we talked to them. Just send them a message, you know? Um, Dude, that gives me chills that you literally said that because when I was doing like support shit, I yeah. would not talk to clients for three or four days. And I'm like, I feel bad. I, I know yeah. that they're expecting, dude, that right there hit me really differently right it's, now. It's important. It's, that's the part of, that's the real relationship. Even though this, what we're talking about is manufacturing. 100%. Like, you know, we're talking about manufacturing, like interaction points and things like that. But that is how you, there's only one way to create a relationship. And that's by talking to somebody. That's by like actually interacting exactly. with them. You don't create a relationship yeah. like in, in any faux way. So like you have to remind yourself, you know, when you have 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 relationships to be managing in terms like as an organization, you have to be like consistent on how you do that. And so, you know, it's actually I'm, I'm glad we're talking about timeline because this is something that I've been thinking about with, you know, you can, you can put together a spreadsheet. I've done it before where it's like day minus 14 like day minus right, seven right, right. day zero is like when they pay you know day one is the right, kickoff right. date right and it's like okay mm -hmm. what happens in all in on each day and like what is supposed to be there but like god is that a pain in the ass to think about like implementing and click up or something it's like okay are we gonna have an interaction for like every time that somebody needs to like go and send a slack message to say like hey what's up like here's your right. clavio diagnostic like you know uh on day seven of the of the journey it's like no we don't that's not the point. The point isn't to go and talk to them. The point or the point isn't to go and send them that or like, you know, just do that fabricated kind of interaction. The point is to build the relationship. The point is exactly. to make sure that by the time we get to like the design review or a strategy call or month two, where we're a little bit late on this flow or like early on another flow, it's a, it's a, it's a real relationship. It's like, how do you right. make sure that we, we touch on every single step of the way to make sure that we're like consistently building that. And then how do you do that at scale? How do you make sure yeah. that every person comes in and has an incredible, an incredible experience? And, um, you know, we, 
it's 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 a hard it's a hard thing to do where you know everyone i, I want to be the so nordstrom hard. of of email agencies i don't know i don't know right. if you know the whole nordstrom customer experience thing is just like it's their yeah. jam but like i, I yeah. that that's how we think about it now it's just like all right what do we how do we make this so that we know i want to know what they they're thinking before they even think it and that's why we yeah. focus so much on that like agency anxiety period it's like how do you really get in the shoes of like how does an agency owner or how does a store owner that's been burned by agencies in the past feel about starting with a new agency? Obviously it's probably pretty weird. They're probably like, uh, like I'm, I'm honestly going to steal that from you. I love agency anxiety because we talk with a lot of clients who go from one agency to another and they're just searching mm-hmm. for somebody to like find a home with and know that they are going to be taken care of. And yeah. we want to be the like least anxiety driven agency that you work with basically. And right. um, I completely, completely jive with that. I was going to, I was about to say, when you reminded me of your 90 day thing, um, I, I I'm going to send you the link and get you all like set up on time. Cause I, what I'd love to know is like, if, if you guys see it as like a useful tool, um, mm-hmm. we're actually creating templates right now where you yeah. can actually pre-populate certain things. So for example, uh, I invest in crypto. I buy crypto. I buy NFTs. Yeah. I buy a lot of different shit on the side. Yeah. Um, I'm always curious about one thing. It's like, oh, what did what price did I buy that at? Now I have to go into my Coinbase mm-hmm. app. Did I buy in Coinbase? Mm-hmm. Did I do this? Like, I'd love to have like a like a, a crypto template where it's like, oh, today I made a buy. I made it on Coinbase. Bitcoin was at this price. I bought right. this many, and here's basically like why I bought it. Leave like a little note. So then yeah. when I go back, I could be like. Oh shit. Oh yeah. I remember buying. Okay. I bought it for that reason. I remember buying that now or whatever mm-hmm, it is. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like for your like 90 day period that you engage with your, with your initial clients, like there could be like almost like a template. It's like based on this client, we're going to put the abandoned cart flow first week. We're going to do this second week, third yeah. week, and then kind of go uh, down the line and then fill in those gaps between those weeks. Like had a call with a client went great because what we essentially want to do because we comes from an agency perspective is that we also want to put, like this is actually in the works now we should have it done within the next week or so is put like a health meter um, that allows us to see because every time you add an event you could put positive negative or neutral and so we want to have a health meter for each client or every interaction that we can go back because imagine if we're onboarding or you're onboarding somebody new and they get thrown into an existing client and they start being like super nice to them and you're like that's cool, but this client's kind of an asshole and we're trying to get rid of them. So like, let's not be so nice type of thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like you yeah. want to almost like put that somewhere so when somebody could read it without being like, you know, uh, without being the asshole, I guess is right. the real thing is like, yeah. just be like, Hey, listen, tread carefully with this one. He's kind of a rough one or she's a rough one. Like they're going to give you shit about this. Like you can almost notate that. So when you onboard somebody, you throw them into the timeline, you say, Hey, here's our like last six months of interaction with this person. And our yeah. health rate is at like in the red because we don't really want to work with them anymore. So like, let's kind of scale down with our communication with them or whatever yeah. that might be, whatever, whatever that point of like, let's get them exiting our like, our, our ecosystem, like whatever yeah. that is, you can, you know, so um, I, I'd be curious to know once you ju- uh, jump in there again, it's very lean, but um, I, I'd love to see what you, cause I think you're like the perfect, this is kind of who we built it for, right? It's like agencies and project managers and, and keeping a pulse on things. And so um, yeah, man, and we have like a team plan on there as well. You can have unlimited timelines, unlimited events. Um, yeah. We have individual ones and all that stuff. So um, no, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll make absolutely sure to try it. I think I think you'll enjoy, especially with some of the new stuff coming out. Um, 
we have a lot a lot of things that like brew up in my mind all the time. I'm like, we need to have this, we need to have this. So it all comes from like a mindset of like agency work and things we're seeing day in and day out, which yeah. hopefully, you know, a lot of people could probably relate to. No, for sure. I mean, it's, uh, I, I think that that is one thing that I really, it, it, I struggle to communicate to the team. You know, it's, um, yeah. cause like I said, it's, it's like a sixth sense thing sometimes where, you know, you can, you can see an interaction and you can kind of, quantify or gauge how you feel about that interaction and then you have your own internal health meter for everyone it's like oh mm-hmm. we're on yep. good terms neutral terms bad terms um yeah but you know putting that in a place where we can all kind of agree on it and then you know you bring up a great point it's like when you onboard somebody new um and they're starting to work on a project being able to say like here go go take a look at how everything has gone for the past it's not like you know like how not, else do you do that right now like yeah, truthfully read how all else of slack do you do that? <laughs> exactly like yeah. how else do you do do that like i'm 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 truly like like sometimes like frazzled by how people are doing that is it like this long conversation because i know every time i try to catch somebody up on a project and be like oh fuck i forgot to tell them about this or yeah. oh shit i forgot to, you know what i mean like yeah. there's always that little like so I, I mean i just don't I, I don't know i don't know how people do it right now to be quite honest with you totally no i totally agree yeah 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 it's crazy. So, um, no, I, I think this has been uh, uh, super helpful. Anything else you want to touch on, Brian? I know we've been talking for a while, but I'm not in any kind of rush. So if you have anything else um, you want to chat about or, or throw out there from an agency perspective, personal perspective, um, I'm happy to happy to jam. Um, I mean, you know, the one the one thing that I, I guess I'll kind of like leave us with is that. You know, you mentioned partners. Um, yeah, and, you know, we, I think mostly we're kind of talking about tech partners there. Um, but for me, agency partners are starting to become like the bread and butter. Um, uh-huh. as you know, I just, I recently moved to New York city. Um, yeah. so I'm living, living in the city now and there's a decent like Shopify community and stuff like that. Um, and I've just, I've made some friends and like, it's, it's, yeah. it's really, really cool to be able to like kind of jump into like whatever, whatever industry you're in and actually like see other people doing stuff. And, you know, I go and have my, you know, like my last meeting, like with Okendo was like in person, you know, it's like me right. and, right, right, me and right. Luis, we're just, we're just buds now. Like we go and hang out and like, that's, that's nice. We also get to talk about work, you know, and, and it's cool. Um, and so, you know, that, that, that's one aspect of it, of just like building community in this like very disjunct meta world that's kind of happening right now. And we're all, you know, apart and depressed because of COVID and, you know, that kind of stuff. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a reassuring thing. But the other aspect of that is that, you know, that, that should not ever be slept on in terms of like from an agency perspective, like building that community, right. building people to work with, um, to do projects with and to be kind of like somebody's go-to for marketing or somebody's go-to for development or somebody's go-to for, you know, X, Y, Z, TikTok ads, whatever it ends up being. Um, that is like such a, such a powerful thing and something that, you know, honestly has kind of sparked basically any, any forward progress I've experienced in my, in my career at all. It's all been around, you know, like I said, I moved to Vietnam and like, the only reason I, I, you know, developed there is because of relationships, because of network, because right. of, you know, there were people right. there doing cool stuff. Um, yeah. and you know, I, I think we're moving more and more, unfortunately towards like everyone kind of just like powering through stuff in their basement and just like, you know, making sure trying to like rip it out and do something. But it's like, 
the the world is where it's, it actually feels like a lot better to do it. You know, it's like exactly, uh, you know, exactly. And, and people are yearning for that, like um, that, like connection and that kind of uh, kind of community and feeling. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And obviously it's Twitter's a, really a great place thing. to do that. Like you, that's how you and I know each other. Like <laughs> we only met Dude, over Twitter. I, I wanted to actually, I actually wanted to touch on that um, because I, I think it's uh, worth noting that it was, it was during a, I would say probably a rough like few weeks of when I was just feeling super burnout. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I kind of, I literally posted that on Twitter and LinkedIn and I don't think I've ever gotten a response that was, I haven't received more authentic responses to anything uh, mm-hmm. than that post. Like I think till this day, by far one of the things that most people reached out and be like, Oh my God, I'm feeling the same thing. Hey, yeah. what did you do? Hey. And yeah. I think you had reached out and you were like, dude, I just kind of went through something similar. I'm mm-hmm. trying to work on mine. I'm feeling kind of certain same feelings and all this other stuff. Yeah. And honestly, man, like, it was it was so refreshing to and not that I want to see anybody struggling with any, but again, we all struggle with shit. And I think at the end of the day, when I saw like what was going on, not only with you, but with like other people that I talked to or that reached out and were like, yeah. hey, I went and took like a three month hiatus. And I was like, oh, my God, you took three months. I won for one week and I was already like feeling. So a lot of people are going through things that are, you know, way worse and all this. And for me, it was um it, it was two things. It's uh, a few months before that I had uh, uh, given up my day-to-day role at Taco, almost like basically, basically delegated my job away, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like I literally just was like, everyone yeah. do this, do this, do this. And I'm like, wait, what do I do now type of thing? So it yeah. was almost like trying to refine myself. And then the other piece of it was um, I got really excited about like moving on to another building another agency to build products because that's where my passion lies at this moment in time. And at that time. So it was one of those things where I was like, okay, let's jump into this right away. Like this is where the fun starts and all this other Mm -hmm. stuff. And I just didn't give my mental myself like a mental break to switch from one thing to another. It was just went straight into the fire again. Yeah. And then time went on, time went on. And I was just kind of like running in place for a little bit, trying to figure out what's the next thing. Uh, It just, it was just a mess. And I was like, you know what? I need to say like, fuck all this for a while. And I just need to like step away. And I'd wish I had done that in a transitionary period where I went from, you know, at taco day to day to like now the new agency 924, where I was like, give myself two to three weeks, sit on the couch, fucking go do whatever else, go on bike rides, do, do normal mm-hmm. life stuff and don't have a job for a while yeah. and then come back and be like, okay, now I know what I want to work on or what, what the team should work on or whatever it is. And I just never gave myself that time. And it, 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 it crept up on me in a way that I, I mean, dude, I was like the most unproductive person that I've ever been in my life where I just would sit on the couch. I would go take like three hour naps. I would just, it's a level, I think a level of depression at that point. And um, it was just one of those things where I was like, I need to, uh, I need to take a step back. And I took a step yeah. back and I came back and it was just like all pistons firing and it was that much more productive. So uh, again, I want to say, I appreciate you reaching out at that time because I think that was, um, that was one of those things where, you know, when you, when you're going through something and somebody's like, Oh, don't worry. I went through that already. You're like, Oh really? So it's not going to be that bad. Like, um, you know what I mean? It was like a sense of like, um, relief that 
again, being locked behind a screen and just talking yep. to people this way, it's very hard to come across. And yours was a simple like Twitter DM where it was like, hey, dude, really appreciate that. And I just, you know, went through something similar. I'm going yep. through something similar. Um, I just want to say like, truthfully, thank you, man. And, and we kept in touch ever since then. And um, obviously there's, I think, a lot more room to not only work together, but I think there's a lot of room to like grow together in terms of like whatever else you're working on, whatever else I'm working on and really Agreed. bringing those two worlds together. So I, I do want to say like, sincerely, thank you for that, man. Dude, absolutely. I mean, I, I think I started with thank you in that because it's, it's, it's good to get out there and see like people being real and, you know, like the, the, we've all been on fire for the last like yeah. three years. I don't know, three, two, three, it all blends yeah. together now, yeah. two, three years, however long it's been. Um, whether we, whether we admit it or not, or talk about it or not, like we have all been right. emotionally, like mentally on fire. Um, this is not how we're supposed to live. This is not, you know, there's yeah. a lot of just so much going on. You're being endlessly, you know, bombarded with whether it's Will Smith, slapping Chris Rock or, yeah. you know, COVID yeah. or, you know, every, the travesty that's happening in Ukraine. Like, it's just, it's, uh, it's insane the amount of stuff that we have to mm-hmm. like process all the time. Um, and of course, us being the self-centered humans we are, we all think that, oh, this is such a unique feeling that I've only ever had ever. And I'm the only one experiencing this. Um, 100%. <laughs> and, you know, 100%. we get, we get caught in that feeling of that, you know, like, not remembering that this is the human experience and it's actually the only thing that we truly all share you know it's like that you know everyone's human experience is different but this this feeling of you know the doubt and human nature of of just like transition and life is is and how difficult it is and that it's you know life is suffering or whatever you know however dramatic you want to be about it like that is that is something that we don't talk about enough um and it was just, it was really refreshing to know that, you know, cause I, I didn't ha- I haven't had a hard time. I have had a hard time moving to New York city. Just like it's huge there. It's during COVID, you know, it's, it, you can't make that community as quickly and as easy as you would like to. Um, and honestly, right. I moved here after only living in like Philadelphia for a little less than a year. And I had, I hadn't even lived in the U S for the past, like five years before that I moved back because of COVID and things just going on. Um, right. And so, you know, just being able to see like, all right, I'm, I'm not alone here. Somebody's actually talking about this. And then the fact that you responded and we just, you know, kind of sparked this friendship was, a uh, is a really powerful thing. And it just like, it's a reminder that, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people out there that are, that want to make that connection and want to like, just make more friends and talk about stuff and like share interests. Um, yep. and, it, and it's exciting. It's a, it's a, it's a easy way to, to kind of counteract those, those gloomy days where you feel like, is any of this going right? Is the struggle for a reason, you know, are we all moving in a, are we moving in a direction that actually works? Um, and so right. I, I really appreciate you just, uh, being so you know vulnerable in that state. Um, and it's, it was a big yeah. help to me and I'm, and I'm glad it's, it's produced like fun conversations and, you know, hopefully partnerships to go forward as well. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I, I do appreciate that. And I think that's a, that's a terrific way to, uh, to end this, uh, uh awesome podcast. You, I think you're by far the, the longest one I've had thus far. Even <laughs> like previous, like, I, I like uh, to talk. So. <laughs> same, hey, same here. You ask anybody on my team, like I, we did these, uh, feedback, uh, this like, um, you know, uh, team feedback thing, like last uh, year before last, I think it was 2020, maybe 2021. And it, one of the things was like, Hey, can you like in, in nice ways, can you just shut up a little bit when we're on sales calls? Just like, <laughs> like a little tad bit. And I was like, 
got the message loud and clear. I will shut <laughs> yeah. the fuck up as much as I possibly can. But yeah, it's just I'm like, sure my you know, team would like say a similar I'm, thing. Exactly. So like when I'm on a call, a call with a client, it's just like, oh, they're doing this. Oh, they could be doing this. Oh, and I'm just like yeah. sitting here. I'm like, guys, there's all these things we can help you with. Like, just come on on board. Like, come on. And everyone's yeah. just like, and they get super excited. And then my team's just like, God damn it. You've overexcited these people. We can't deliver all this in like two, three months. And I'm like, yeah. oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So no, that's, that's awesome, man. Well, um, we'll have to do it again. Um, I think there's there's a lot more we can tap into. The e-commerce space is just like going in so many different directions right now and, and so much crazy yeah. shit happening that I'm sure by the time we talk next time, it's going to be like a whole nother platform or a whole nother way of doing things. And who the fuck knows at this point? But yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd love no, man, back. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, man. And and uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, seeing what Flow Candy uh, uh, keeps doing with what you guys are doing at the moment. And um, like I said, I want to hold you or hold myself to it, I should say, is to um, have you really tap into, you know, our brand that we're uh, looking to launch. Uh, Grace mm-hmm. and I are the co-founders of the brand. So I'd love to get your even your insight to be like, hey, what what's working? What would potentially work for a brand like this? Because yeah. we are going um, subscription and membership based only. Um, right. The only time you could do like a one-off product purchase is going to be like a sample kit of like the incense. But everything right. uh, everything after that, um, it's all going to be, you know, you subscribe, you get it on a monthly thing. We have like a, we have a whole personality thing behind it. You take a quiz to which see which bucket we put you into and all this. So right, we want to yeah. make it very uh, like luxury. Uh, when I say luxury, I'm not talking like the box is going to be like a $200 incense box or anything, but like a little bit on the higher tier, but um, concierge. we're really working on concierge. Exactly. Like more, more um, when you walk into the store and everyone's like, okay, what kind of shoes do you like? Are you like white right. shoes? We have a white, you know, like that sort the of The Nordstrom thing. experience so, for incense, right? that's it that's it man that's it exactly so that's going to be huge and uh and and i'm gonna have to send you a box when we're ready to go i'm i'm hoping we can like do our full-blown pre-launch um uh probably end of april beginning of uh may we're just waiting to get all the boxes and everything dialed in but man it's so exciting like this is my second time building a physical product and a physical store and uh or a physical i mean like e-commerce but like physical product and man like when 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 you get to that finish line and you're like almost there and you're like it's just we need to get the product in hand we need to you know that's it's so exciting and so like rewarding um, my first one was a sock subscription company. So when we got those packages, I was like, oh, my God, we fucking created this. Like, this is yeah. crazy. So yeah. I'm really looking forward to that because I, I, I've i had this like, I don't know. I look at myself like I'm all into the digital stuff. But man, do I yearn like a, like a blue collar side hustle where I go out and like cut people's trees down or do something right. else. Right. Something physical. Like I like. You know what I mean? Like uh, I like yeah, the physical I want a landscaping company so bad for some reason. I'm just like landscaping. That sounds fun. Like same, you know. same, yeah. dude. I'm literally I'm trying to talk my dad into that. Like I'm yeah. like, dude, go like start doing this. I'll do all the online stuff. I'll come help you cut right. shit down. I even yeah. got a fucking tree trimmer, dude. Like that's it's amazing. I went. Like I, I love like, it. You know what I mean? So yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I'm 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 really looking forward to uh, launching this and and hopefully um, hopefully it does well. And if it doesn't, uh, we'll make sure it does. One well, way send me the send me the emails. I'll take a look at them before you before you get everything launched perfect man i really appreciate that all right brian um it was a pleasure anybody wants to do email marketing if you're listening to this if you made it to hour and 45 minutes <laughs> um go go to flow candy and hit up brian um that's that's all i'm gonna leave it at <laughs> thanks man all right cheers man have a good one 
Well, you made it to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning into What Is My Brain podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you got some value out of it. Make sure you hit the subscribe button or the follow button to get notified when new episodes are live. I'm out. Thank you.